a very, very happy Christmas to you, the dedicated, loyal listener of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Your patience uh, for this nonsense and these shenanigans has been unrelenting. And I thank you for that. I hope you're having a lovely time this glorious Christmas Eve. And it truly is glorious. We, we've had a couple of days in the 60s. It's dropping down. It's, it's sort of the little brass monkeys at night here in Colorado, uh, in Denver. There's going to be like two or three foot of snow around us, around the mountains. There will be blizzards. It'll be the pure Christmas scene that you have seen in years of old. That Sinatra and the Rat Pat sing about constantly. That's what it's going to be like. Two or three foot. So beautiful snowy scapes around. But uh, very warm, mild type of Christmas. And, you know, I, I'm, I've got not only the sweaty top lip, the sweaty brow. It's, uh, it's not really sweater weather. And you know me. I mean, I love to wear a sweater. Sweater all year. I even wear it in the summertime. I mean, it hides the sweat in the summertime. It's sort of hiding the sweat today, though. It's, uh, Well, maybe it's because I'm doing the half and half that I truly enjoy. Half a mug of Baileys, half a mug of coffee mixed together. That is a concoction that I feel will get me through this festive show, this last show before Christmas. And uh, we've been building up. It's been a nice little drum roll uh, to the final show of the Christmas season for us dear florets, as I like to call us. The Keep Common Cauliflower Cheese listener. So you're very welcome. I hope you have some very fluffy socks. Maybe those sort of alpine or uh, Nordic socks on. Because I think you need a thick pair of socks on. I wonder if you double sock. I like to double sock. Today, though, I'm very zen. Uh, I, I've actually sockless. Now, you know, I've cut my toenails, so I feel that I can reveal my toes to the world again. I mean, as men's feet go, my feet aren't half bad. They don't have that sort of odd patchy hair across it. I mean, I'm quite, I'm quite happy about my feet. Very happy about my feet. But here we are again on another journey uh, towards Christmas. And you know what? If you haven't got your shopping done yet, just, just forget about it. Just sit back. Maybe uh, spike your hot chocolate or something. Or do something along those lines. You don't have to. Everybody will be happy. I mean, it's all about the giving. Not the receiving, but we're talking about present buying now, obviously. Um, so remember that, you know, just settle back. I'm sure whatever gifts you've got for people, they'll be very, very happy. The gift of you being there and being present and not on your phone. I mean, there should be a moratorium on all phones on Christmas Day. Put them away for a few hours so you can enjoy the quality family time and lose another edition of Trivial Pursuit. Now, I've always said, if I'm playing Trivial Pursuit in America, I want half the pack to be British, and I want half the pack to be American. That's only fair, because any pop culture before 1990 in America, I'll be on a losing streak. There's, I, I just don't have any clue about some of these things. So, if I'm playing any board games, forget the number games, forget if there's any mathematical talent involved. I'm not going to be playing those. Like the card games, yeah, and that's not my uh, not my bag, baby. But trivia, I can match anybody for trivia. And I do love a good murder mystery. I do love uh, Clue or Cluedo as it's known in the UK. I love to be Professor Plum or Colonel Mustard. I've always had plenty of mustard uh, 
round the top lip and dripping down the tie in their Christmas sweater, especially those turkey sandwiches. Don't you just love those uh, absolutely decadently full of mustard and the Christmas sandwich? You're going to be talking about the Christmas sandwich. I know that I've been waxing lyrical about the Christmas sandwich this year, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's such a delight and it's difficult to find. It's like the sausage rolls. You can't find the sausage rolls anywhere. Uh, we did find somewhere that would make the sausage rolls to order. But no time. Maybe for the new year, I'll try to uh, rustle up some sausage rolls. They're not that difficult to make. But it's, it, is, it is warming to, the, to one's soul that there is a place here in Denver that actually makes glorious sausage rolls. And made to order. I don't know about the maple syrup. This is a couple of episodes ago. They were talking about the maple syrup and the sausage rolls. Yeah, that's that's a sort of bridge too far. That's a step too far for for my uh, my personal taste. So, anyway, you've got your Nordic socks on. Uh, maybe you've got a Christmas sweater on. I don't know if you've got a Santa's hat on. I mean, if I had a Santa's hat on, it would be soaking with sweat. I could probably brine a turkey for the amount I'm sweating today. So there is no Santa's hat upon my head today. I know, I'm such a party pooper, aren't I? I want to see today's episode of Keep Coming Cauliflower Cheese. It's almost like you're running a hot bath. You put the bath salts in. I'm basically the hot bath of the bath salts. So all you need to do is lay back now. Uh, mind, that, uh, mind that hot tap, though, because I've burnt my foot on many a hot tap. And uh, just relax, enjoy, let the, let the salt soak into the skin. And... Just have a few moments to yourself whilst listening to this podcast over the next hour or so and uh, lay back and think of England. If you need an idea for a perfect stocking stuffer, I have one for you. We all need them this time of year. Uh, They basically are a trouser expander. Now, I don't think they're going to work on the skinny jean or the skinny pant, but you can get these... uh, trouser expanders and they come in like five or six sets basically and uh, you have the button and the uh, loop the elasticated loop goes around the other button and it just gives you a little bit more give over Christmas so you know if you have too many mince pies or you've uh, you've hit the quality street or the Cadbury's roses a little bit too hard you can get these expanders now I think every stocking should have a trouser expander, a pant expander. Now this is the whole thing, I had to be very, very careful because a, a pant expander in the UK would be, uh, would, I mean, it sounds a little bit naughty. So if you're, if you're carrying a, a larger carrot than normal, basically, and we're not talking about building snowmen here, then, uh, then a pant expander might be what you're looking for in the UK. A pant expander is perfect in the US though because it is one of those elasticated button things. In the UK, it would be a trouser expander. So yeah, don't don't get that confused because you go to the UK and, and, and ask for a pant expander. I mean, there's probably tablets you can take for pant expansion that we're not going to go into. But anyway, that's I think that's a perfect gift for the ones you love, just to give them a little bit more room this Christmas. Because you don't really want somebody walking around with their button undone because if that's the case, then the, the, you know the whole ensemble may come falling down, and uh, you know you're going to see Uncle Terry's, uh, yeah, it, yeah, you're not going to see his uh, not so quality street, if you know what I'm saying. 
I mean, his, uh, you don't want to see his toffee pennies hanging out. That would be a, a, real, a real issue. So I think that the uh, waist expander for the trouser or the pant this, uh, this Christmas season is going to be an absolute deal breaker for you. Okay, on today's show, we have a, a packed fest for you. Uh, we're going to be, uh, we never did talk about the chap who was smoking the morning spliff. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Uh, men forlornly traipsing around on Christmas Eve looking for presents. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. The male folk just look at, basically looking like lost puppies, going around the shops, not knowing what to do. Uh, also, I'm going to talk about my, ple- my pheasant. I'm very pleasant after a brace of pheasant. Yes, one of my favorite game birds of all time. And it was absolutely delicious. And it was moist. It was absolutely superb here. I'm going to introduce to you and tell you the cheese that you need this Christmas. You may need to rush out and see if they have it because it's the best cheese in the world. We'll be talking about that. Also, I'm hoping that I found the best kitchen implement in the world as well. I have my fears. I have my stresses about it, but we'll be looking at that as well. Uh, also, did you have the chocolate cigarettes when you were a child? You know, not the ones that, you know, nicotine or tobacco in them, but you had the chocolate ones. You could eat the whole thing. And the whole thing was covered in like this, uh, this edible rice paper, I guess, with solid chocolate in the middle. I mean, it was an absolute, uh, absolute wonder. Uh, more tales from my barber as well. And, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I did touch on this. I didn't, luckily didn't delve too much. But how many cans of baked beans can you eat before your bowels implode? Yeah, well, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, do you like fruitcake with cheese? Yeah, my mother does. So we're going to be exploring, scratching the surface of beautiful fruity cake and a delicious cheese. I mean, it's very cheesy today, this show. Absolute cheese-laden today. Uh, also, introducing Americans to bread sauce. Haven't had the bread sauce. Have you been on Twitter? Have you done Rate My Plate? Rate My Plate is marvellous. You just look... So somebody... They send pictures in of their food, and people rate it. I mean, it's cruel in some cases. It's very complimentary in others, but it's very, very amusing all the time as well. Uh... Have you had any? Have you bought a box of chocolate liqueurs this season? Have you done that? Uh, have you seen any builders trying to look busy around this Christmas season? Um, also, gargling Alka-Seltzer could that solve the whole baked bean problem? Possibly. And um, I did. Uh, I was introduced and invited to the Ralph Lauren, uh, the La- uh, Ralph Lauren ski chalet. Well, not literally, but I was invited to it. Uh, the virtual version. We'll be talking about that a little bit as well. We do have the rest of Trumbull Trombone. We will be spinning the Hallmark Holiday roulette wheel to look at more plot lines that could potentially, and we're hazarding a guess here. So we have an absolutely fun-packed show. Um, a little bit of repeating here. I think Bailey's and coffee during a uh, podcast, maybe not the best idea. So maybe a sip of water. I don't think I don't think champers is the way. As much as we should be celebrating with some champers in the afternoon here, we do have uh, some uh, some breaking COVID news here. Um, only six allowed at Christmas, but 30, 30 for a funeral. I'll be holding a funeral for my pet turkey that sadly passed away on the twenty fifth of December. 
And uh, some news coming in from uh, the lady Jacinta, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Therefore, from midnight tonight, we're closing all beaches, rivers and lakes. All bathtubs must be removed from homes and everybody must wear floaties on their arms when leaving the house. Anyone not wearing floaties will lose their job. So people are sharing the affordable foods that they eat all the time around the world that are considered luxuries by the rest of the world. here. So in Spain, good olive oil. When people visit, you can buy the cheapest olive oil and it'll taste so flavorful. Uh, number two, it sounds silly, but in Iceland, our delicacy is water. Our tap water is perfect and every local drink comes straight from the tap. Around the world, everybody buys bottled Icelandic water. Number three, durian in Southeast Asia. The number of durian farmers who have found overnight wealth is astonishing. All thanks to the demand of durian exports, it's an acquired taste and very polarizing. You either love it or you hate it, but it's king of fruit in Asia. In China, seafood like lobster, king crab, Dungeness crab, uh, spotted prawns, geoduck can be pretty cheap and rather commonplace. In the US, it's considered a luxury. In Egypt, falafel is basically food for the poor. It's the cheapest meal from street food. You can buy a whole family and feed a whole family for less than a dollar of falafel. Italian wine in Italy. There are many really delicious locally made wines that cost $10 a bottle. In the US, the same quality would be around $60. Blue crabs in Maryland from Annapolis. You can quite literally throw chicken off any random pier for an hour and catch enough crabs for a feast. Number eight in Iraq. A year where a dozen delicious lamb chops cost about $15. It costs more than $60 in the US. Uh, in Romania, I used to eat caviar all the time as a cheap snack growing up, even though it was moderately poor. It was, I was stunned to find out it was a delicacy elsewhere around the world. And also uh, in Finland, you basically have unlimited qualities of free forest berries, blueberries, cloudberries, loganberries. Everyone, every man right says that you can go and pick as many as you want. And if you're willing to spend enough time picking berries in late summer, you'll have enough to last you until fall next year. In Mexico, avocados are so incredibly, incredibly cheap. Every time you go to the grocery store uh, in the US, people comment how expensive they are. Uh, number 12 in Hawaii, spam is its cheap as chips. In 13, uh, Carlonian sausage, all known as Krinovurst, is protected by the EU as a Slo Slovenian specialty, uh, but can be made here and is loved and enjoyed by millions of Germans and Austrians. Stroopwafel in the Netherlands, they sell the prepackaged caramel discs around the world, but if you haven't had Stroopwafel until you bought one freshly pressed, but still warm and runny syrup from the street in Amsterdam. Morel mushrooms in Minnesota, we get five or 10 pounds on average, depending on the year. No other mushroom compares. The rest of the world, it's incredibly expensive for the morels. In French, in France, the baguettes. I've seen American tourists walk out of French boulangeries with about a dozen of them. Slow down, buddy. Fresh bread is made all day and all long, all day long here in France. You don't need to stock up that much. In uh, Spain, Gemon Serrano ham is very affordable, very very cheap. In other countries, it's a hefty price tag. And then. Uh, we have in the UK, American friends beg us to send them Cadbury's chocolate. It's a real Cadbury's chocolate. It's bought by Kraft a few years ago. Americans go nuts for the real creamy Cadbury's chocolate. Well, I'm absolutely delighted because my mother sent me a little care package from the UK. I'm just leaving it sealed and I think I'm going to open it on Christmas Day. I felt through the package and I do feel, I think I feel like the Cadbury's whole nut chocolate through the package i'm so excited about it it's, it could be the best christmas present ever and i assure you 
if ever you can buy the Cadbury's chocolate that uh, is shipped from the UK, made in the UK, it's going to be, you're going to turn into Augustus Gloop. So I saw a chap the other morning. He was basically smoking a Camberwell carrot, uh, a huge spliff at 6.30 in the morning. Now, I'm wondering if he just needed that to relax a little bit because he's one of those guys who have left Christmas shopping until the last minute. And I'm serious. So I was out and about today. I mean, I, I don't have, I'm not stressed looking around. I've done most of my Christmas shopping a long time before in the last few weeks here. So I'm not too worried about it. But there were guys literally walking around um, several stores, Target, Ulta, many stores, looking like forlorn zombies. It looks like they had a lobotomy and, and they just don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're going to get. They're in the discount budget section. So some poor lady's going to get uh, maybe some uh, Juicy Couture perfume that went out of fashion 15 years ago. Or maybe a moisturizer that is discounted and probably going to give them a terrible rash. But they honestly, they're walking around. They, they could have their arms out uh, looking like in a, in a conga zombie chain. Because they all look the same. They're, they're just panicking. They're walking around with huge baskets, nothing in them, going from aisle to aisle, not having any luck indeed. You know, and uh, my lovely girl, I mean, she said that these guys will probably end up maybe spending an hour in there and then just going right to the front of the line and deciding to buy a gift card. So I had a lovely little tradition uh, just to myself uh, yesterday sort of indulged myself slightly because my mother on tradition when I'm back in the UK and haven't seen my family for two years it's very sad and a very very merry Christmas happy Christmas to all my family in the UK mum and dad I mean I talk to them all the time uh, miss them dearly wish I could be there this year uh, I'm gonna have a lovely year a lovely time with my girl and it'd be absolutely fantastic uh, but it would be good to have uh, you know, Christmas all together. And I'm sure that's going to happen very t- soon. And also to my dearest sister as well, who uh, hopefully can just relax back a little bit and uh, and, and uh, put her feet up for a few weeks. Very, very busy. So I made myself uh, and I, I brined myself a pheasant. Now, if anybody hasn't brined, you know, it's basically you know, a cup of salt, cup of sugar, uh, you know, you can put some star anise in there. You can put some uh, bay leaves, herbs, many different things. I put some apple uh, and also some onion in there, leek. And you basically put the bird, and I'm doing the same to, the, to a turkey, and you soak that in there for a day. Now, whatever magical chemical reaction happens, and I don't know the science behind it. I'd love to have somebody on to talk about that at some point because it makes such a difference. Um, and it, it makes the bird so moist i mean it's the moistest bird you're ever going to have i mean it's unbelievable and a pheasant can be a bit of a dry old stick to be honest um but it was uh, it was absolutely delightful and uh so i i basically stripped the pheasant but it's only like three pounds not a lot of meat on the pheasant uh, but i decided that i'm going to uh, use the rest of the bird to make a delicious gravy for the um, for the turkey, I mean a little bit of it gamey. I put some uh, black currant uh, uh, jelly in there. I put some uh, leeks, all sorts of vegetables, carrots, parsnips, into this to make this broth. And I think this broth could literally be this could give you the elixir of youth forever. A, a spoonful or a 
a small little uh, cup of this broth could, could do you wonders. And I'm very tempted to have it as a soup tonight. I've been thinking about it all day, to be honest. And I'm almost wondering uh, if, if I had a cup of it now, would I, uh, would I, would I be running, running to the facilities within a few minutes? I mean, it's so bloody good, and it smells so wonderful. It's got all the, all the broth, the bone broth. You've got the carrots, the vegetables. But I'm wondering if I had a cup of that, would it be this sort of situation uh, going on here? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I could give it a shot. I could have a cup full of this. But if I, if all of a sudden you can hear my voice, if a voice can go ash and white and all of a sudden this happens, you know. I mean, that's when you break the land speed record uh, to, to, to get to the facility. Because there's so much goodness in that thing. You know, we were so used to drinking eating processed food and drinks or whatever that something that good that sustainable could uh <laughs> could cause uh, no end of uh, no end of issues what one thinks but i think i'm gonna have a cup of it because i think it's uh it's what you need i think it's the sort of thing that with all these colds awful covid going around all of this soups broths everything else that's so good for you especially if they're laden with vegetables uh, it could be an absolute wonder, but I mean, I'm almost tempted to go and get a cup of it here and drink it as I'm basically doing the podcast. I'm, I'm very, very tempted to do that and see uh, what sort of situation is going to happen. I mean, it could be a social experiment. So many of us will not be having a white Christmas this year, but to, to give you a little feel, snow is glowing in the Russian Arctic. The culprit is quite mysterious. High in the Russian Arctic, at a remote field station on the shores of White Sea, biologist Vera Emelenko set out on a walk on a frigid December night with, uh, with her with Mikhail Neritin, the son of the station's molecular biologist, and a couple of dogs, a giant schnauzer and a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier. Trudging along the icy embankments of the tidal zone in fierce Arctic winds, Neritin spotted a blue illumination in a snowbank. Had a Lemenko dropped her phone as they walked over to investigate their footsteps created streaks of the thrill blue there were blue christmas lights in the snow says emelenko she bent down to scoop up a handful with a gentle squeeze the snowball glowed brighter the dogs left a glowing trail as they raced ahead through the northern lights they seeped from sky to snow after a flurry of phone calls and texted photographs the station's biologists and a group of marine scientists across Russia were buzzing around the find. Emelenko and Neriton uh, took the station photographer Alexander Smenonov out to document the lights. We stomped around the ground for maybe two hours to get the spots to shine. The next day, Emelenko slipped a glowing snowball under a stereo microscope to identify the bioluminescent culprit. As she waited for the ice to melt away, she prodded a minuscule a detritus with a needle to no avail but then emelenko spotted some uh, copiapods tiny aquatic crustaceans in the slushy petri dish she then poked them and they shone a faint blue this is maybe the first documented explanation for glowing snow in the arctic and a real christmas miracle from uh, head heart therapy when you find out that you used to prescribe vibrators and cocaine for mental health issues 
but all your therapist will give you is guided meditation video from YouTube. So I know a lot of people turn their nose up at the wonders of the fruitcake. I mean, even the mince pie is basically uh, a pastry-encrusted fruitcake in many ways. Uh, but a lot of people, including my dear mother, now my mother likes to have a mince pie, and then she just likes to ease up, open the lid of the mince pie. She then cuts a very fine sliver of Stilton blue cheese and puts it into the steaming hot pie and then puts the lid back on. That's one of her favorites at Christmas time. I know she denies it, but she loves doing that. A lot of people are eating fine cheeses uh, with Christmas cake as well. Uh, you know, the fruitiness, the marzipan, the sweetness of it all. And then you get that sort of boozy fruit cake with the cheese goes uh, remarkably well. But I want to introduce you this Christmas season to the Emperor of Cheeses. Basically the wondrous Flying Dutchman of Cheeses. If you like yourself an aged Gouda, you need to try the Casagio Robusto. I mean, it sounds a very manly cheese. I always feel like I'm Popeye. Forget the spinach, has some of the Casiago Robusto. I mean, this is why the, uh, the, the, the Dutchmen are so strapping and tall, you know, but they eat the Robusto. And this Casiago Robusto is a nutty, mature, wondrous cheese. As you get that sort of crystalline aged Gouda. Now, I had it with a couple of crackers later. Now, you're talking about having that with fruitcake. I think that would go so wonderful, but like the nuttiness uh, of the cheese with the fruitcake, it could be wondrous. But yes, you can get it from Whole Foods, Casiago Robusto. I recommend it highly to you this Christmas season. Okay, we're going to give it a spin. We're taking the Hallmark roulette wheel and we're going to give it a spin to see what new plot lines we can discover. Now, all those people filming Quebec, they need some new plot lines. They need something a little bit different. So we're going to spin the uh, basically the Wheel of Fortune. But in this case, it's the uh, roulette wheel that will give us the Hallmark holiday plots, the Hallmark holiday roulette wheel. Okay, we're giving it a spin. That was a very, very masculine spin there, sir. Oh, it's a pretty good one. It's a pretty good one. City girl meets Neanderthal lumberjacker and falls in love. Right, we're spinning it a couple of times. Oh, 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 it's a double bonus. So we got a double bonus. We had two uh, different succinct plot lines here. So those people can go back for next season for the Christmas Hallmark Holiday movies. So here's two for you. Overcooked Christmas cookies doubling up as rustic snowshoes help a forlorn chap who gets back to his gout-ridden grandfather at Christmas. His new love is the cookie store owner. Okay. And it's a double bonus, a double whammy. Here's, here's a classic. British prince introduces a Midwestern girl to the wonders of fruitcake and they fall in love. Happy Christmas. So our good friends at Very British Problems Official on Twitter and Instagram tell us how to wrap a present in a very British way. Number one, sit at a table or cross-legged on the floor. Two, cut paper smaller than present. Number three, cut another piece too small again. Number four, mess up the scissor glide technique. Number five, lose sellotape. Number six, rip paper on present's corner. Number seven, lose scissors. Number eight, no more paper. Number nine, use a bag. 
Number 10, feel tired. This is going to be me later on, completely. So everybody loves a Christmas ham. I mean, my dad was like taking a slice of it. Ham boiled up in ginger beer. Ugh. But in Jabugo, Spain, life revolves around the Plaza del Diamant Ham Square in Andalusia, where Cinco Jotas became producing Iberian ham in 1879. Many of the company's practice in Jabugo, a village roughly of 2,300 inhabitants, is still 19th century. It smokes a chorizo in a room full of oaks fires, spilling smoke under a ceiling full of hanging sausages. It cures hams in a cellar that employs climate control by manually opening and closing windows. One aspect of Cinco Jota's quality control beats other old world habits by a nose. A cadre of six sniffers whose job is to poke each pork loin in four specific places with probes made of cow bone and take evaluative whiffs. The probe is called a cala and the sniffer's formal title is a calador. This olfactory squad is called to the ham factory to test the curing process. The caladors punch it in rapid succession four specific spots, the hock next to the hip bone and twice around the joint of the hip to the femur. After they probe, they quickly repair the holes using their fingers to smudge the perforations. The most venerated calador is Manuel Vega Dominguez. He joined the company washing floors in 1989 and graduated to delivery package in 1994 to carving in 1996 to the quality control in 1998, including sniffing. Mr. Vega is the only sniffer who holds on to the job year-round, a distinction he has held since 2004. There is a team of six full-time sniffers during a peak Christmas season when uh, roughly half the company's annual orders for the holiday feast include a recent surge in orders for Singles Day, Chinese holiday in November. As the demand increases, I will find a way to sniff all the time. The pigs are acorn fed, so the sniffers are ideally seeking a bouquet of woody, uh, umami nuttiness with a slight sweetness. I mean, it just wonders if you've got a big old honker, if you've got a big old schneck, as my grandfather would say, is that a problem? Or do you, if you've got a long, thin nose like myself, could you just penetrate the ham? Would you be a better, more effective sniffer? I mean, I'm just wondering. If you've got a wider nose, you couldn't get it in to those little perforations, but a long, thin sort of nose, you could just slide that right in there. That'd be fantastic. Sniffing all this ham. And I also wonder though, do they have like very severe drug testing? Because you think if you, if some, some bozo's putting stuff up his nose every day, he's not gonna be a very effective ham sniffer. And then, uh, you know, you could pollute the, uh, the Ibirico ham. It would be an absolutely awful situation. Okay, so we have another, this time a rather festive edition of Rubbish Poker, where we're going to take, uh, we're going to go to the skip. We went to the skip, or I went to the skip, earlier in the week that's outside Chappie Towers here. And we're going to uh, take a peek. There's some absolute beauties. People throw away the weirdest things. And we're going to equate it to a game of poker. Front hand, backhand, are you going to have a royal flush? Three card trick? I mean, some absolute beauties in rubbish poker. Okay, so in terms of our front hand this week on rubbish poker. So this was discarded right to the side. I mean, there's a lot of Christmas decorations being discarded. But if we're going to have, you know, if we're going to have a decent hand here, I would consider this a fairly decent hand. A discarded elf 
that looks basically like Chucky the Horror Doll from those very scary movies. So it's a discarded elf is our front hand with a maniacal Chucky disposition. So there we go. Do you think there's anything better? Could you beat that hand? Well, I think I beat that hand. Yes, yes, I definitely, I definitely, definitely beat this hand. So if you think the Chucky doll was a great hand in terms of rubbish poker, this is even better. Okay, so this is a royal flush, I think. A box of chocolate liqueurs with the tops bitten off to get all the boozy goodness out. I mean, they might have left some of the Condro, but most of the chocolate liqueurs are left. So they bit the tops off the chocolate liqueurs just to get out the boozy goodness. Everybody knows my love of the Christmas sandwich. The Christmas Day leftover sandwich is better than the lunch itself, say Britons, with many opting to add a moistener, a slice of bread soaked in gravy. A survey polled Britons on their thoughts about the Christmas leftover sarni. 37% say the creation of leftover sandwiches is an art form. Bread-wise, white slice, top with the uh, list, 33%, closely followed by granary. The true depths of Britain's love of a festive sandwich have been revealed, with as many as 70% of Britons agreeing that they actually prefer it to Christmas lunch, according to the poll. A further 37% insisted they like creating the classic leftover sandwich is an art form. According to those surveyed, the perfect sandwich should contain precisely three slices of turkey, two thin slices of ham, two and a half slices of pigs in blankets, one spoon of cranberry sauce, and an even spread of bread sauce. I might do the stuffing as well, you know. I might want some stuffing in there. It also could contain two slices of roast potato, one generous squirt of mayo. While both slices of bread should be buttered, there should be a sprinkling of salt as well. Bread-wise, white slice, the top, 33%, granary, 29%, then sourdough. The study commissioned by squeezy cheese brand, uh, brand Primula uh, found that more than 7 in 10 admit they like to take their time making the post-lunch sandwich as you cannot rush perfection. The Perspectives Global Survey of 1,500 people found that for most Britons, the first sandwich made from leftovers is enjoyed on Christmas Day evening in front of the television. A more patient 1 in 10 wait until breakfast on Boxing Day to create their masterpiece, while 32% have the willpower to hang on until lunchtime on the 26th. An adventurous 34% of Britons like to pimp up their Christmas sandwich with 34% adding crisps, chips, 39% heating things up with a splash of hot sauce, 27% having thinly sliced Yorkshire pudding inside, and 17% opting for the squeezy cheese. While 1 in 10 like to make a moistener, soaking a slice of bread in gravy and inserting it into the middle of their sandwich in 9%, fry their sanger to add some crispness to the bread, more than 20, 26% like to deep fry their sandwich. When it comes to the accompaniments, uh, 33% they said they have a cup of tea to wash it down, 15% a, a sip of Baileys, and then another 15% a glass of champers. Overall, 67% agree that the homemade Christmas sandwich is far superior to a shop-bought one. Over the week of Twixmas, the time between Christmas and New Year, the average Briton will devour four leftover sandwiches. Gareth Watson of Primella says, This year it's predicted that many Brits are going to look to take the humble Christmas sandwich up to notch. Getting creative with leftovers is the perfect time saver and a budget-friendly solution. And then the TikTok sensation Poppy Cook's uh, 
took a turn to some of the season's most luxurious and festive flavor for its in a budget-friendly alternatives. Christmas truly is one of the most indulgent food moments of the calendar, but delicious festive dishes shouldn't be out of reach for anybody. Uh, they shouldn't uh, have to take hours to make something that seriously impresses the guests either. Oh, the sandwich. I mean, this has been an indulgent show. You could get indigestion from this show. We've, we've talked about the uh, pheasant broth, the pheasant soup. We've talked about the, uh, the uh, Robusto aged Gouda cheese. We talked about the holiday sandwich. We talked about fruitcake. I mean, you're going to need a Tums after this one. A Trampias Trambon. Okay. So, Christmas sweaters. At some point, you've noticed that nearly all jumpers have a small decorative V sewn into the neck. But you may be shocked to learn it actually serves a purpose. Known in industry as the V-notch or V-neck, the little triangular patch isn't purely decorative. It was initially introduced to give sweaters a nice silhouette. Clothing maker Russell Athletic explained on their website that the patch could also be used to soak up sweat when a thicker piece of cotton is attached. Sweatshirts were invented back in 1926 by the football player. The thicker triangular pieces of cotton soon became the signature detail of the simple crew neck. You just have to be careful with that uh, V because if it cascades down a little too far, it could possibly become X-rated. And a Japanese billionaire has returned to Earth after 12 days spent on the International Space Station where he made videos on how to go to the toilet in zero gravity. Addressing his 1 million followers on YouTube, uh, fashion tycoon Yasuku Mazawa said pig is very easy as he demonstrated a handful of funnel astronauts used to suck urine away. With a uh, Russian also on board, the journey marked Moscow's return to the space tourism after a decade-long pause. I mean, is there some sort of suction device? Is it a Swedish-made penis enlarger? It's not mine, baby! It's not mine! It's not mine, Mrs. K. It's not mine! Anyway. So. In Bill Shatner's case, though, <laughs> at his age, let it flow. It's a little tougher, and then there's gravity. And a family find a venomous snake in the Christmas tree as they were decorating their tree, putting up the Christmas baubles, fixing up the tinsel, they move the branches apart to see a Kim Cobra stretch amongst the branches. I mean, that's an excellent way to stop people grabbing Christmas chocolates off the tree. Oh, look, children, the new Candy Cobra, festive. And Soph's Fort collected a COVID kit from the local pharmacy this month to test themselves for COVID, which is many of them doing on the run up to Christmas. But when they opened up the vials used to hold the test of liquid, they noticed a slippery black slug sitting in the bottom. So said, I pulled out the vials and immediately spotted something black and I quickly realized what it was. I shouted to my family, but nobody believed me. And I showed them it was squashed in there. Luckily it wasn't moving. I mean, quite literally, it would stop the flow of the lateral. It's been super having you here for the podcast today. A little Christmas Eve festive edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. And it has been episode 150. But let's not take uh, the 150 episode of the podcast away from the main show, which is Christmas coming up tomorrow. The best, most fun, joyous time of the year for most people. Now... If you're all alone this Christmas, and some of you may be, then uh, hopefully this little podcast 
over the last year or so has cheered you up, brought a smile to your face and maybe tickled your funny bone from now and again. And I'll be continuing to do that. I'm going to be taking about a week off. We're going to try to fit in a podcast um, between Christmas and the New Year, at least one, possibly two for you lucky folks. But if you like to listen, please like and subscribe across all the platforms. Apple Music has audio versions. So does Slacker, Breaker. So does uh, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Audible, Amazon Music. In As I was brining the, uh, the bird, the mixture of the salt and the sugar and that sort of chemical reaction together, I could hear Keith Khan of cauliflower tea sizzling from the brine. I mean, that's how festive it is this time of year. If you like the little aperitif, a starter, an appetizer of music with your main course of me, then you've got yourself in luck here. You can listen to a Musical Emporium Butler Edition podcast on Spotify with wondrous music uh, such as The Cause, The Waitresses, some Jamie Cullen, Michael Bublé, Paul McCartney, John Lennon. You had some Pilot in there as well. We have some Gary Barlow, some Slade, some Beach Boys, we have some Elton John, some XTC, some Pretenders. It really is a fun pack. And I did break the Whamageddon yesterday. We do have the Christmas pudding mix in there as well for your musical delectation. But coming up next, we have one final Christmas poem. And this is Christmas Bells by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men, and thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace of earth, goodwill to men. It was an earthquake rent the half-stones of continent, and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head, there's no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong, and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Have yourselves a very happy and merry Christmas. I've loved having you here for these festive editions of the podcast since the uh, end of November. It's been rather lovely. But have a warm, cosy time. Enjoy it with family. Indulge a little bit. Laugh a lot. And I will see you again next week on Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. Until then, cheerio.